You're listening to Our Space with Matt Batiste. I'm especially excited about this week's guest. Kitty Cowell is a fashion stylist from the UK with a punk and emo twister style, and I absolutely love it. Kitty, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Love that intro. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get started in the fashion industry while mixing sort of punk and emo into it all? Oh, it's such is such a long answer, but I'll try and make it short and sweet. Basically, I went to uni to study fashion design. I didn't really know what a fashion stylist was. Like I kind of did, but I didn't really realize it was like a viable career. And as I was at like the typical, this is literally so like typical, like art school, right? As I was at uni, I went to Manchester originally. Have you heard of Manchester? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so Manchester is like a really big place. And I, it was one of the top universities to go to for fashion design, the best one that I got into. So I chose that one. It's where like my mom's side of the family are from. And then I hated it. It's like, it was like everybody's dream. Like, ah, oh, yes, you know, she's gone to Manchester, like our family roots. It's like the best course she could be at. And although it has an amazing music scene, I was very much like, I was in a completely different, for some reason, different area to the rest of the people on my course. And Manchester's not huge, but I am from the middle of the countryside. It felt huge. And long story short, in my year before university, I took a a year out and I used to make music like just for a laugh. Like I literally made these like silly like demos with my friends. And then in my gap year, I got picked up. Like, it was really random. I was like drunk outside a club and my friends would like make me freestyle and like, <laughs> it was just so funny. Long story short, this is what I mean by being long. I ended up going to Paris in my gap year to like record music. It was just so wild, like literally the wild, like that is a whole movie in itself. And when I decided, when I came back and I was finally going to uni, I guess I'd had that experience and it was all quite exciting. I'd met a lot of people in music. I had started a like a MySpace fashion company, you know, like drop dead. Oh my God, I love that. Mm, that was my <laughs> ticket to uni. Like I had to do that in my gap year because, or like prior to like the beginning of my gap year, like prior to that to like get into the uni course because I didn't have a portfolio. Like I hadn't studied th- like that course in school basically. So I had to create my own portfolio and I was like, I don't know. I just went all in. I did, I did this whole MySpace thing. I built my own website. You know, MySpace taught us everything, you know, so I could like code my own my website. Anyway, so I'd, I'd also started to gift bands. So you had like all these little emo bands, like local hardcore bands, that kind of thing, like wearing like my t-shirts and stuff. Went to uni and it was, I don't know, it should have been cool. It was Manchester, but I think I'd met people in other cities and like, I didn't find my people like quickly in Manchester. I felt just a bit secluded right and I had all these friends in Cardiff uh, like one of my best friends had gone to the uni there she'd already been there for a year I'd visited a lot I loved it so I changed and I transferred and it's really funny because my parents both worked in fashion when I was younger and they had had like people give me advice to go to Manchester that was like the best course and I just left (laughs) went to a course that generally like didn't have the best reputation, but the university had a very good reputation. It's just, it wasn't known for fashion, but it had like all these links within like music culture, photography. It's one of the best documentary photography courses that you can go to in the country. And I just thought it's going to be more creative. And I was in the middle of the Welsh valleys, literally like the middle of nowhere. And down the road was this place called Newport. And then Cardiff was just a little bit further. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Newport in South Wales. No. So it is, can I swear? Do you might like? Yeah, yeah, you can okay, swear. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> I'm, I have a potty mouth. I'm very bad. So basically it's known as the shitty city. It's literally called, <laughs> it's like a shithole, but just round the corner is this amazing university. And they had this incredible music venue there. It's called TJ's. It's now closed. It's really sad, but the memories there, like the history is just unbelievable. Like Nirvana plays some of their first ever shows that, you know, like incredible. And yeah, that was on my doorstep. So I started to become friends with loads of musicians because obviously I'm at uni full of artists, musicians, photographers, you know, fashion course. You're taking it all in. Exactly. And we just all became friends. We all collaborated with each other. People needed, you know, photography. People just, just helped each other out. And it was, it wasn't anything like a city like Manchester is, but it was like, in a way, I think it was better because, because there's nothing there 
you have to be creative. And it just literally sped me on. Like I just, I, I collaborated so much with other people and yeah, so I was doing design and long short of it is I actually ended up being a musician for quite a few years. I got picked up when then, then when I was in Cardiff completely separately by like the raid, like radio one, which is like the biggest radio station in the country. I went off on tour and I was like part of the whole, like, do you remember when Enter Shikari started, right? Yeah. That whole crossover between like heavy, like hardcore emo and then like electronica. Mm-hmm. And you and you had like the emo rap scene as well. All in it was amazing. You would have like seven genres with within like kind of the same genre and they'd all play shows together. And I I'm just I'm just mad and creative. So I started to put my own gigs on and I had so many good bands play and I would just do like an opening set myself and that just kind of blew up. So I had this MySpace clothing brand. I was like a touring musician. I was recording, I recorded with like basement jacks and like crazy people. And, and then it got to this point where like I started a group, we blew up, we went, <laughs> this is so, yeah, so random, but we went on tour with Lady Sovereign. Do you remember who she is? No. Oh my God. Okay. After this, you have to go and listen to her because you will remember at least one of the songs. It was like the whole MySpace scene, but she was more like the rap side of it. Okay. She, she's what, like the biggest female rapper from the UK to break America, right? Like back. I'll have to go and listen because it might be one of those things because there's, there was just so much that happened back then yeah. too that like you forget about it until you actually hear it and you're like, Oh, I forgot about that. Right. I knew yeah. that one. Exactly. It was my favorite time because she did loads of collabs with like indie bands and like, you know, so many crossovers were happening. So while I was doing all of that, I was still like designing merch, basically, like for all the musical projects that I was doing. I did all the design. I sold all the t-shirts and people then would like ask me, you know, like bands were asking me for like merch and to design stuff for them. So it's kind of like that. Like I didn't jump into styling. I kind of went about it in this DIY like music way, if that makes sense. And then I came to London to study music. I, I, I didn't know what to do. And I thought, I just have to go to London. I either want to work in fashion or music. Like that's what I want to do. And I got this mad, I, again, everything I've done, I've got this crazy stories, but I went to a course that Ed Sheeran did and Rita Ora. And because of that, like there was a lot of eyes on it. And I ended up coming out. It was just a year course called Artist Development. So it was everything around like. And, and Rita Ora and Ed Sheeran, were they like the ones that were putting it on or they also took the course at one point? They also took the course before me. Yeah. Okay. So they were like, especially Ed Sheeran, he's still like the poster boy for this college. Well, it's like an academy. And you have to do like a literally like an X Factor audition to get in. It's crazy. It That's kind of cool, though. It was a bit, I honestly just think nerve wracking, but cool. (laughs) So nerve wracking. And then there's this crazy girl making weird emo electric rap sounds. I don't know how the fuck they let me in. Like, it's so weird. But everyone, everyone there was always like, wow, you're so good at like the branding side of things and like the styling side of things. And, you know, if you don't continue being a musician, like we can see you doing that. And, I came out as like the top artist that year. I was pushed into like management and, and all this stuff, all the stuff you want, you know, as a musician, basically. And I was like a broke musician living in London with all the right people around me, but like still having to work like a nine to five. And it was just all very stressful. And a lot of men were in control of my like future basically and it just it was just I don't know a few things happened and I was like this isn't the music I want to make like this just isn't going in the right direction and it was like okay I started a fashion blog just as like a little thing when I was because I'm like well I studied a fashion degree I should like I should do something with that you know what I mean and so yeah I started this fashion blog because I already had a presence on the internet and people were constantly asking me where my clothes were from and I was always being gifted clothing by brands. So started a blog because I was like, something I can be in control of. Like if music happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I'm going to look for like other jobs. And so you were even getting gifted clothes from brands before you even had really a big social media presence. Yeah, because I did have not like a huge presence, but I did. I've always had since the MySpace days, like a, like a decent following. So mm-hmm. I, on, in the MySpace era, I was like, on there as a musician, right? And then with my clothing brand. And 
I ended up getting on the front page of MySpace and I was like, oh, oh wow. my God, I've, I, I've made it. Like, this is it. I'm going to be like this huge superstar, right? And then I was in this group. Well, I think the first time actually it happened, it was in this group I was in. It was the Binary Kids. <laughs> it was like blink and you'll miss it. But at the time we like blew up overnight. We were all over everybody's MySpace. Days and Confused Magazine had us as their song on their MySpace. And I was like, I I've, like, yeah, I was actually like, what the fuck? Like, am I, am I like successful now? And it was just mad. It was such a mad time. And then that kind of didn't work out for various reasons. And then I, I came to London and my solo stuff, like, again, kind of blew up quickly because I already had that, you know, that presence, I suppose. And again, I was on the front page of MySpace's big feature on me. And I was like, shit, like, this is happening. And then MySpace died. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck man like <laughs> i spent all this time watching all of like the emo queens in america like audrey kitching do you remember her yep. yeah yeah like all these people like my idols you know and then i was like oh my god i finally made it and then tumblr came around and so i just took my like my space falling onto tumblr and i was quite big on tumblr i would i like i don't think i had like a huge following but loads of my pictures and and like posts would go viral quite a lot so like people knew my face and knew who I was and I took that to my blog and then I took that to Instagram and you know it's not like huge but I've always had like a following as mm -hmm. such and a lot of the, those people have followed me since my music days and they tell me quite often that's amazing <laughs> yeah it's cute so yeah basically I had moved to London I'd done this music course. I'd started a blog. The blog blew up. So basically, I I started it on my own. And then I had met a bunch of girls who were like like-minded and similar to me. And I had also got these two like male friends who had this, well, there are three of them, but two of them were my really good friends. I just moved to London. They were like the only people I knew. And they had this super successful blog. And they were going to all these cool events and all these cool parties. And I met these girls and I was like, do you know what? We can do this. Like, like we can, we can have a successful blog. Like it's not all just for the boys kind of thing. So it was predominantly about like streetwear, sneakers, unisex fashion, but that kind of came off the back of like hardcore and emo and like the MySpace clothing brands. We were all those kids that, mm -hmm. you know, like the Johnny Cupcakes fans, you know, like we loved Johnny Cupcakes, for example. And some of my friends were like friends with him. And it was, it was like this whole little London scene that we then created. And I think there were no girls doing it. It was all like, you remember the brand Mishka? Uh, I would have to actually Google it to see, maybe to know. recognize it. It, I think it's about M-I-S-C-H-K-A. And they were really like well known for this like eyeball logo. And it was all over caps and hoodies. It's like a big eyeball. You 100% would know it. But basically like, again, they were kind of like, you know, MySpace emo hargle kids that created a clothing brand. And, okay. Uh, yeah. I remember this one. I just yeah. quickly Googled it. <laughs> yeah. It's so memorable. It's like such of that moment, you know? You can't forget it. Exactly. Like one of my pictures went viral of me wearing that cap all over Tumblr. You know what I mean? It was just like of that scene. So yeah, we did that. We started that. And it was my, like I was the founder, but then I had these like five other friends that did it with me, which just helped it to like have content all the time. And yeah, that just blew up. And while I was doing that, I moved into a sublet in like a room. Do you have those like in Canada? Like, a do you know what I mean by a sublet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was my friend who I knew from uni who had moved to London. He was a photographer and he lived with another photographer. And so I took over his room, was living with this other photographer. And then they had a friend that was a makeup artist and she kind of would come and stay with us a lot. And we all became super good friends. And we literally lived in like the center of Shoreditch, which is now extremely expensive. <laughs> um, and we had a really big living room. So we would turn it into like a studio and they would help me shoot like stuff for my blog. Like she would do my makeup. He would take the pictures. And then they were like, well, we really need a stylist to work with. Cause like we're working with all these model agencies and, you know, they give us a little bit of money. It's not lows, but like we need to work with stylists and, you know, you get given clothes all the time and you study design. Like, have you ever thought about being a stylist? And I was like, yeah, it's a really good idea, actually. You know, I was styling myself and I had gotten to understand like what a fashion stylist was through being a musician because, you know, I'd done photo shoots and there'd been fashion stylists and that kind of thing. You know, you kind of like, I became more aware of what it meant. 
so yeah I just started asking some of the brands if I could like borrow stuff for shoots not just like them gifting me things and it genuinely just went from there like I had this presence that I'd taken from like the literally from my space into like my blog into Instagram and that blog was like like I got flown to like New York to interview Gigi Hadid about some sneakers you know like just mad that's amazing yeah mad shit and that presence you know kind of gave me some credibility I suppose and so I got some quite good well some pretty big like styling jobs to begin with and because I had known all these people in the music industry the people who were managing me as a musician managed they managed Rita Aurora and some really big people and so they started to be like oh Kitty Styles now well we have this like this big musician that needs a stylist so I kind of it all just it's like this weird fucking story but in the end it all makes sense if that if you get what I mean yeah and did you find that like right away basically saying like hey we're gonna do this because you've had the experience and the connections that just it sort of started to snowball and you had that like you know consistency within it yeah, definitely. I think especially because then so like I've been doing this for 10 years, but I've been doing it full time for like seven, I think, because I, I also worked for a fashion PR agency as well for a while. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you just can't go freelance straight away. You like have to pay the bills and London's expensive. But I left that job because I was being offered, I think it was a read. It's so weird. Now I'm thinking about, I'm like, Rita Aurora comes up a lot, which is not, not <laughs> You have very, a lot of ties to her. <laughs> yeah. Random. Like I also interviewed her for my blog. That's so random. I've never thought about this before. She's not very emo <laughs> or rock <laughs> at all. I got asked by Adidas because it was Adidas or Puma. Anyway, she did collaborations. It was Adidas and I got put forward. I was, I was so new. I was still working in this fashion PR agency and I got put forward as a possible stylist this is what happens that they put forward like five stylists, you know, and then it ends up being one of them to the client. And I was offered so much money for that job. And I was like, yeah, I need to go freelance because this, I was paid, <laughs> being paid fuck all, you know, I was being paid such a crap wage in my, in my agency job. So yeah, it did just happen really organically. And I think all those, all those years of doing all that, you know, all those random things, they just kind of came to light. And I think all the, the experience of being a musician and even putting on shows for like other artists, like all of that stuff makes me better at what I do now, like understanding what's important for an artist because I've been one and I've worked with them is why I work with so many musicians because I, I, when I was working in the PR agency and I start and I started my blog and I started styling, there was another stylist who was really big at the time. She's now a DJ, but she was working at this big magazine and she was like, Hey, we need more stylists. Like, come, you know, can you do some, some editorials for the magazine? I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And the first job I did, I it was some celebrity and like, they gave me one and then they were like, oh, she did that. Like she made them really comfortable. She did that really well. So they gave me another and then they gave me another. And in like one issue, I had styled like five shoots, you know, and they just continued until like I got a position at the magazine. And it was because they kept saying like, you work really well with talent. You, you always make them feel like comfortable and happy. And I genuinely think that's because I know what it, it, it feels like, you know, for to be one and for people to like have an opinion and and, you know, affects like how you look and what you're doing and stuff like I want to make sure that when I go and do these shoots it's to just elevate what they want not unless they're literally clueless and they're like hey I don't know what to wear I know what I'm doing please help then like cool I'll come in and be like listen I think this would be good I think this would be good but when it's people that like they have a style they just need it to be elevated or they just need it to be you know, dramatized for like a music video or an editorial to make it just that bit more exciting. I will always come in and my first point of call is to make them feel comfortable and ask them, what do you like? What do you hate? You know? And I feel like it's so much easier to, I I feel like it's a lot easier to work with people when you're sort of that one, you understand where they're coming from and you're sort of like a part of that scene. So they are like, oh, okay, she gets it. And two, you're making them feel comfortable, right? Like, I feel like that's just so, it makes things a lot easier to work with when someone's like that. Exactly. It's really interesting because 
you know, to, to begin with, I was working mostly with like British talent, right? And a lot of those people, like maybe they'd had bad experiences before with stylists that were trying to give just their own style to them, if that makes sense, as opposed to like trying to elevate the artist style. And that was like very clear. And when we start working together, I think they just realized straight away because I kind of go in a bit like a therapist. I'm like, right. So how are you feeling? Like what's going on? Like, okay, what kind of like, because this will be like a week or two weeks before, you know, or sometimes more, if I get lucky, I'm able to speak to them and say like, okay, like what kind of stuff do you hate? What do you love? And I'd be like, what music do you listen to that inspires you? You know, like what movies do you like? Whose style do you look up to and think? You get to actually know who they are. Exactly. And other stylists will just take a look at them and and kind of be like, sequins are are popular right now. How about we do that? You know, (laughs) that's generally what I get told by artists that has happened with other stylists. And I'm like, that's, that's, I mean, I can tell you what's cool. And like, I will input, you know, my opinions, but like, I'm not here to like, force you into wearing stuff that isn't you you know that's 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 not going to be comfortable or look cool but then that was yeah a lot predominantly with with British us and then I started to work with you know bigger talent and sometimes that would be American talent in fact it's mostly I don't think I've worked for anyone Canadian interestingly but (laughs) yeah we gotta get into the Canadian market I know (laughs) you know artists come to the uk and they're doing photo shoots and and they need stylists so you know that started to to happen and i just remember sadly he's not here anymore but we were this rapper who was a big deal at the time and he was like he was kind of a big deal on the internet you know like one of those like he yeah he made music but like he just looked cool on the internet he had like billions of followers right face tattoos that kind of vibe but he was very cool and and actually very very sweet and very nice. But I do you mind into, saying who that is or it, Jay Stash? It's a bit controversial because he's not here anymore. And okay, yeah, it's not controversial. It's just yeah, I, he. I think he was you know a bit of a troubled dude. Although he was very nice every time I worked with him. I don't know what was going on in his personal life, and yeah, the way he went was a little bit grim. And it him and his girlfriend basically okay. it's all a bit grim yeah but that being said when i worked with him he was very very nice and i think people always looked to him like he was seen as being so cool in london i think because he was from la and you know but at the same time like a little i think people were a little bit terrified of him but when i worked with him he was lovely but i walked in the room and i was working with a photographer who's now fucking huge mad mad but yeah he is a very good photographer and he was so keen he always wanted to get like certain people, he didn't care if we were shooting for something. I always care if I'm shooting for something. Like either I want to be being paid because like it's, you know, or it's like going into like a sick magazine. And I was working at Notion magazine. And so he had approached me and said, look, I want to st- I want to shoot Jay Stash. It'd be so great if you can bring some clothes. And I was really, really known for like sneakers and streetwear at that point. Like, like no one else is really known for a kind of thing and and he's a rapper so it just makes sense because like yes we i'll propose it to like my editor and and it happened and and i just made sure that i got him the most insane stuff like really high-end streetwear basically and i got him a bunch of bape stuff and at that point it sounds silly now but like there weren't that many people doing that in the uk really and he walked in and I could just tell, I could just, he's like, I do not trust fucking anyone. And what's this little white girl doing here? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she's going to try and put clothes on me. So I just, he, like, I think I was wearing bape and this is lame, but this is the, the way that exactly what you were just saying, like people can tell you're part of a scene and then it makes them feel comfortable. And yeah, he saw that I was wearing bape and then I went through the rail and I was like, oh, so I actually worked on this collaboration with bape. Like I did the PR for it like before I left an agency and now I style full time, but like I managed to get this for you and blah, blah, blah. And he was looking through it and he's like, yeah, oh, did you? You And then like, I actually modeled for a bait campaign and I was like, oh, I was actually in this campaign as well. I know you were in a bait campaign. And then he's like, okay, yeah, you're legit. And like, he just, you know, literally was like, yeah, do whatever you want. And and it's and so- then they, it just opens up after that, right? Exactly. Seeing that credibility. Which is, is kind of lame. Like I have to- <laughs> You know what I mean? Like push, push that and be like, oh, I actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I actually know it, what it, you like, you know. But at the same time, you know, I, I think with having the credibility that you do and doing it for quite a while that, you know, and being a part, actually a part of the scene, I'm, I'm sure it's pretty easy for you to sort of prove that 
credibility. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you do you have any who are like some of the biggest people you've worked with or styled? Well, I was just gonna say because there's like a similar story with Fallout Boy. <laughs> yeah, I saw on your YouTube channel actually that you you styled them for the Kerrang Awards in 2022. Yeah, and Brian from Weezer. Oh, sweet. Yeah, for so, they're on the same management, and for some reason it was only Brian that wanted to come. And he was like, I don't know why the other boys don't want to come. Like. I don't know. We got an award. Like, I get to go up on stage. It's Weezer. They were just like, we're just going to wear our jeans and a (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah. Whereas Brian, I don't know if you know, but he is so, like, particular about his style. Uh, I can see that. He is. He is. And it's really funny because, honestly, this this is the bane of my life. And this is a shame. This is. I was thinking about this when I was saying, like, about American artists because, like, they're huge, right? And their management's kind of going, oh, shit, we're going here. We probably need some clothes. You know what I mean? Like, at the last minute, I had just arrived in the UK from, like, a press trip, right? I was so tired. I got this text, like, in 48 hours, like, can you style Full Up Boy and Weezer? And I was just like, yeah, whatever the fuck <laughs> this takes, like, I will make this happen. Like, are you kidding me? But, yeah, I literally had, like, not even 48 hours to like run around the whole of London trying to get clothes for them. And they're all such different people. And the thing is, is that I'm sure that being from America and especially being in like places like LA and New York and having to work with magazines and whatever, they probably work with so many stylists that don't even fucking know. Like, like they obviously know who Weezer and Fallout Boy are, but they're not like emo kids. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you never know. Some of them might not know who Weezer or Fallout Boy are. True. Exactly. (laughs) It's so true. And I think that that is the vibe because the way that like, like I I got them in all individually. We basically had um, a big room in the hotel that they were staying at. And me and my assistant just ran around. We got so much stuff for them. It was like, you know, they walked into a shop basically. And that's still probably not even enough because there's like five people and then they've got to go around and look at what they hate and what they like, you know? It wasn't enough time, but at the same time, I still had a lot of stuff. And as they came in one by one, like, it's surprising how different they all were. I mean, some of them, you know, they basically, most of them weren't very confident. They were all quite shy. Whereas, like, Brian was the opposite. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I got this. I can't remember what it was. I think it was maybe like a Western-style shirt. I was like, I saw you wear this this kind of, like, similar shirt before, and I thought it looked really good on you, and I saw this in the showroom, so I picked it up, and he's like, yeah, it's not really my style. And I was like, but this one time, and then I pointed out, like, where he wore it, or, like, what show, or whatever, and I thought it was And he's like, good. oh, that was some stylist that just didn't get it. No, he was like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that was a pretty nice look. And I was like, I know that you're not a cowboy. <laughs> I was like, I was actually like, it was so funny that he just like instantly was like, it's not really my, and I was like, I know, like, I'm a massive fan. And I didn't, didn't want to say that and be like, I am a massive fan, but like, I'm also like, no, I, I know your style. Here's all this other stuff that I got that, you know what I mean? That's like really typical your style. But I was like, you're going to an award ceremony. This looks like an amazing shirt. And I saw you wear one and look really good before. And when I pointed out that like, I knew what, I, you know, where he wore it and what it's for, he's like, okay, yeah, yeah. He starts talking about churches, which are this really expensive shoe brand. And I, I had literally like tried to get any inf- information out of their management, like put me in contact with whoever you can to just tell me the brands the boys love, things they hate. Like I know quite a lot because I'm a mm-hmm. fan, <laughs> but like you can't know everything. And I'd got minimal information, you know, but I had gone above and beyond. And I was like, no, I'm really pissed that I didn't know because I could have got you those shoes. But then I had got him all these other shoes and he he liked them anyway. And like he ended up, he, him out of anyone, he was like the most cooperative. He was funny. And at first I thought he was going to be difficult, but then he was just funny, you know, like just like a joker. Yeah, I could see that. But do you think that it was, he was that way with you sort of because he, like understood where you were coming from and that you sort of were a fan and you what you were talking about i think in the end yeah like it's a really hard balance of me trying to be like no like i i really like your band and like and like not trying to say hey no i'm a massive fan so i don't think i said hey no i'm a massive fan but he was talking about an album cover with one of the other boys and and then they're like trying to tell me because i think i was getting him to try something on he's like oh it's like blah 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 and i was like yeah i know (laughs) You know, like, yeah, I, I, I know what your album covers look like, you know, and you're just like, he's like, all oh, right. And it, it was really funny because, oh my God, my brain is the worst. I'm dyslexic and I have this rapid name recall thing. It just doesn't work. A drama, a fallout boy. 
Andy Hurley? Andy, that's it. Andy is vegan. And, you know, all these little things like, A, I already knew stuff, but like I, I made sure that I like went above and beyond. And if the management weren't giving me the information, I was finding it out for myself, you know. So I tried to look up stuff that like he usually, you know, brands that he likes that are vegan. And I reached out to like Dr. Martins and specifically got him vegan vans and sorry, vegan Dr. Martins. And I got him some vegan vans and like all different things. And he, you could tell, he walked in wearing like a death metal t-shirt and some shorts and some vans. Like that's just him. That's how he dresses, which is how I dress a lot of the time. And I just wished that like, cause he was a bit like, oh, I don't know. I'll have a look, but I think I just want to wear what I'm wearing. And I was like, that's cool. Like, you know, as long as you're happy and comfortable with it, like you do you, but I had this stuff and you, you like, you're gifted it if you want to take it. Like these are some vegan Dr. Martin, you know, he's just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I wear them. You know, I got him some vegan trainers from some other brands and stuff. And it was annoying for me because I could tell that he wasn't, he didn't know that like, I actually listened to like hardcore and, and metal and I'm an emo fan. You know what I mean? And I think he was just very, shy he is a very shy guy yeah so it was interesting and then he went on a podcast actually and I was mentioned on it like oh, oh really yeah and like not by him by the 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 guy in the podcast so I saw you like you know on my on on Kitty Cow's like social media or whatever like I saw that she was doing some styling stuff with you and he was like yeah and then he was going on about like the death metal t-shirt that he was wearing and I was thinking fucking hell it's so annoying because if management said hey he'd really like just some more of like this band's merch or like, you know what I mean? Or like some vintage yeah. horror movie t-shirts. I'm like, I'm your girl. Like, just tell me what you want. But they had come to me and said, they need red carpet looks. You know, they need jackets. They need shirts. You know what and I mean? And then that was not what he ended up wanting. No, exactly. And like, if I can just communicate with you, because me and Brian ended up being like, I have his number. Like he, he just texts me and he wanted something for, I, I still to say don't actually know what for. He's a strange but lovely man. <laughs> he was like, where can I get a 1920s like costume from? And I was like, <laughs> I, I can point you the direction of some like costume houses. I don't really, you know, like, like I can do that, but like, that's not my usual job. But like, this I know. In, like March, it wasn't for like a Halloween party or anything. Right, like this is literally <laughs> not for Halloween. And it was really specific, really specific what he wanted. So I put in him some directions of some place or whatever. And then he texts me like, and sends me a picture of him wearing this bizarre outfit. And I was like, <laughs> what is it for? And I was so annoyed because I couldn't go to the tour. They, uh, this is probably, I'm still heartbroken over this. And I'm like, please come back and make this opportunity happen again. But they were doing the tour with Green Day. It was Fallout Boy, Green Day. Who else was it? Super Mega Tour? You know what I mean? Yes. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, that was a, that was a huge one. It was Fallout yeah. Boy, Green Day. I'm trying to think because that was back in 20... 20, 2022 we had it but it was also was it before that and then it got delayed i it think was, it was before the pandemic for sure at least with here and then yeah i think it got delayed and then uh, maybe it was just like the north america side was before the pandemic and then after they pan they postponed the rest for afterwards because i think it was like 2018 or 2019 it would have been around 2019 actually yeah, yeah. that it was in north america or at least that they first started promoting it yeah yeah, that's right. And I was like, yeah, oh my God, I definitely want to go to this tour. And then all of that happens. And then they come over and basically they're here because they were going on that tour. And I had bought tickets for Outbreak. Do you know what that is? A festival in the UK? I feel like I've heard of that one. See, there's a, there's just so many amazing festivals that happen in like the UK and mm. Australia. And I look at those lineups and I'm like, oh, I can't go to this. <laughs> I get mad. And I'm just like, swipe. <laughs> Literally, I feel you. I feel Australia is insane because because I work with Shikari and they seem to go there all the time. And the tours, I'm always like, why don't you need me on tour? Please take <laughs> me. Like you'd look so much better if I was there. I can I can steam things, you know. Like, <laughs> just bring me to Australia, please. It costs so much more to just take me. So I get it. I get it. They're still very. They're so even though they're a massive band, they're like really DIY, you know. So everything is like done by them. They don't have a massive label, you know what I mean? Like so. But yeah. And do they have like Enter Shikari? I wanted to ask you about them being from the UK. Like, were they sort of like a really, really big band or are they a really, really big band within the UK? Like, multiple albums, sort of like everybody mm. know, just because they had their like 
it felt like in Canada they almost had like a flash in the pan type moment mm. uh, with "Sorry You're Not a Winner," yeah, and yeah. you know every single band was sort of covering that song when you'd go to a local show and and all of that. But then I haven't really heard much from Enter Shikari besides that song from ah, back then. Okay. Yeah, I mean definitely that's their biggest thing. And if you it, like, so basically, if you talk to like non alternative people they know that song do you know what i mean yeah like any any anybody knows when shikari off for that album and that song and the myspace era because everyone was like a little bit of an emo even though they weren't really yeah. do you know what i mean like even the non-emos were kind of emos back then and then yeah it's really interesting because they've had they've they've gotten bigger and bigger they've maintained this huge heavily dedicated fan base and they play massive tours you know like they play at ali ali pali alexandra palace which is like a big venue here that kind of thing you know like they'll sell out like a headline show there but then this last year they kind of had like they went mainstream again basically so the same kind okay. of thing of like now so many people like your mum's your mum's friends know who they are again because they had a number one album and they've been on like breakfast tv and you know things like that again so it's kind of like a bit more mainstream but yeah i mean definitely that is like that one album they will forever be known for and that song sorry you're not a winner you know the the clapping is almost <laughs> as iconic as the friends theme song exactly <laughs> exactly it literally is and that's one of those like emo moments isn't it you know what i mean like everybody can resonate with it yeah it's, it's really interesting because they they are like Basically, it's like a family business enter Shikari. So they've been friends since they were babies, most of the boys, literally, like went to school together and stuff. And then like Rao's dad, the singer, his dad is like their tour manager. Like his brother now runs like a merch and distribution company, which is like just down the road from where they live. And he does all of their records and their merch and sends it all out. And so like, it's amazing because at the peak of, of Sorry Not a Winner, like the peak of MySpace, like everybody was obsessed with them and every record label wanted to sign them and they refused to sign to a big major label when diy created their own label and have kept it that way ever since they've had the same management the same team ever since like i don't know 2000 and, and it's worked for them 100 percent. and like you know the boys one of them lives in london and the rest of them live in st albums which is just down the road like it's not far but that's where they're from and like yeah i mean they this is their full-time job they've not done anything else they they have houses <laughs> you know it's amazing yeah it's, exactly. it's it's always incredible when you're able to make music from your art uh, make, make money from your art and make a living off of it especially as a band that's doing it sort of in that diy way without going the major major label route right like that's always an impressive feat totally I mean, they tour constantly, you know, and so I think it does make it, it's, I think it probably makes it harder, but like only in respect of if you don't want to work that hard. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Do you have any other like favorite bands from the UK? Favorite bands? Yeah, like so many. I don't know. I guess UK. Okay. This is now I'm like thinking through because actually loads of my favorite bands are American. Actually, some <laughs> of them are Canadian. Uh, one of my favorite bands and my favorite people as well are Cancer Bats. Oh yeah, Cancer Bats—they were huge back then as well, and they're yeah. uh, they're awesome. Yeah, I've I've seen them quite a few times back in the day when they were sort of at their at their peak as well. Yeah, I mean, I like. I now I've seen them so many times. I saw them back then, and then I see them all the time. I see Cancer Bats at least once a year now, like, and they're still so much fun. But they're again a really good example of like a DIY band. Like they haven't gone to a major label. They tour constantly because like it's their full time job. And yeah, but British bands. So because I went to uni in Wales, I lived there for six years. I love South Wales, and there's a band called Kids in Glass Houses. Do you know them? No. Oh my God, you will love them. You literally have to listen to them. They were huge in the MySpace days. Unfortunately, there was a very, very big band that we don't talk about from Wales. Do you know what I'm saying? That the lead singer is now in prison. That's not Lost Prophets, is it? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I didn't know where they were sitting, but when you say lead singer in prison, I'm just like, oh, okay. Where, who's the worst person <laughs> yeah. in the world that I can possibly think of that fronted a band and is in prison now? And that, just immediately go to the worst 
of the worst. <laughs> well, that's who I meant. So, you know, you weren't far off. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was the scene that I, you know, I really kind of like, I say grew up in, I, I was a young adult, you know what I mean? But like that shaped my my adulthood. And fortunately they were the leaders of it. But like that scene was full of so many incredible bands. And unfortunately when all of that happened, a lot of them broke up. So there was a band called The Blackout. Have you ever heard of The Blackout? No, I haven't heard of them either. No, they're more screamo. Like they're like a proper screamo band. But they were really big as were Kids in Glass Houses. They were both, well, Kids in Glass Houses were on a major label. I can't remember if The Blackout were, but they were, you know, big touring bands and they've just both come back together so like they played uk festivals in the summer just gone and that's so exciting because that is you know like you'll have canadian bands it'll be the same way it's like the same time as like loving the early fallout boy albums you are also listening to like the local big bands and like that's what yeah. they are for me so seeing them like they they did like a head kids and glass houses did a headline show in london a few months ago and one of the opening acts were their friends who are my friends who are in a new like kind of goth band and that's just so nice to see I really really love seeing like my friends who we all used to play really like shitty shows together you know what I mean like and you know a lot of them went on to do really big stuff but like a lot of that just kind of disappeared when all of that happened in Wales because it was such a small scene it just ruined it and now it's become amazing again and like it's so sick to see them all doing so well so i love kids and glass houses have you ever um, heard of going back to the canadian bands have you ever heard of the flatliners because i feel like they play a lot of shows in the uk yeah you know what? i have heard of them but i have i've never really gotten into them are they a little bit punk or like what's their they're, sound they're, they're more punk yeah they're I more punk so, so they kind of went and they were they were like very like heavy skate punk when they okay. started out and they slowly started to progress and and they had a few albums in the middle there where they were a little bit more like just rock mm -hmm. and then they've with their last album they came out to be did they put out a, another punk record they were on fat wreck for a while oh yeah um, and they're from Toronto. Like I used to go and buy concert tickets off of the different guys from the band that worked at Sunrise Records in mm -hmm. the mall near my house. Mm -hmm. So I would go to the mall and have to like buy concert tickets from the actual record store. And they'd print, they had like a little Ticketmaster kiosk. They'd print off the tickets and be like, this is the guy from the Flatliners. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, so and then, and then I would go to their shows and, and their like album release parties and stuff like that as, as a kid. And, and I feel like every single time I see them on tour, it's always in the UK. So I'm like, I just wonder how big they are in the UK. I think they are pretty big. I know you're right. They're often on like festival lineups and, and on like tour support slots and that kind of thing or doing their own tours. But for some reason, I never really got into them. I feel like I must have like seen them support a band once, you know, because I got really into punk when I was a kid, like a teenager. Mm -hmm. And like I did the whole like Nirvana to punk kind of thing. And then like at the same time was listening to like pop punk, Blink-182 and and new metal. And that got me into hardcore and, you know, emo happened. I kind of had the same pipeline as you. It was just kind of like into it like started out when I was a little kid as like Avril Lavigne and then mm -hmm. into like the metallica into the nirvana into the sex pistols into yeah. you know and then that whole pipe into like the blink 182s and then into like the emo and the hardcore stuff yeah yeah exactly i feel like most millennials have that kind of similar timeline it's interesting like new metal kind of like i don't know it's very early on like it was like nirvana to like new metal and at the same time yeah. then i was listening to like blink like blink 182 but also sex pistols and then i was trying to like go through the whole of the punk era that my my parents grew up at you know so it's yeah so yeah there's like also a weird pipeline i feel like if you were really into like the new metal stuff it was easier to get into the sort of like more post-hardcore type stuff yeah i i know in the beginning i was a little bit hesitant because i was like you know i like the screaming but i like the new metal scream right like the aggressive yeah the aggressive sort of screaming whereas like the emo and post-hardcore scream it just felt different mm. um and then but like there's still that pipeline from the heavier new metal into sort of more of the heavier emo into the post-hardcore type stuff yeah totally i yeah i feel like it all lends itself so easily to like your ear if you if you like alternative music i think they're the, they're the people that sit more on the indie end of that if that makes sense and they were never really new metal kids they were mm -hmm. more like maybe like punk kids that then got into indie like that's how it seems to sit with me and i definitely liked some indie bands but like i wasn't like an indie kid you know 
Yeah. Like, like it filters in, but I was a new metal kid and that's going to lend itself more to me listening to like heavier stuff like hardcore and, and metal. And then it's also going to lend itself to me listening to like hip hop and pop punk because it, it just blends all of them together. So yeah. It's, it's weird how well hip hop kind of goes within the, like goes with the emo side of things as well. Yeah, totally. You know, like there's just that like angsty side of hip hop that relates to the like punk, pop punk, and emo side of me as well. Like just it's just the angsty feeling in the music. Yeah, exactly. I always use this description, which is the OG Kerrang like title or like headline. You say Kerrang magazine, and it was like music with attitude underneath it. And that's that's my genre. Like whatever that means. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Even if it's an indie band that has that attitude, it's like, you know, but like the pop, pop that's sort of like my, my thing too. It's because I'll listen to so many different genres. It's like, there's not just one genre that's, that's good. There's good music is good music. Right. Yeah. But I, exactly. I like, I like that attitude thing because for me, I always just kind of figured it was like, I like the angsty music. Like I want something with a little bit of like angst or oomph in it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think I have this weird thing where I'm either, I need to listen to like, if I'm in like a weird mood, then maybe like a bad mood, you know, I even need to listen to like heavy music or i need like classical it's one or the other and there's no in between <laughs> i don't want whiny emo do you know what i mean like if i'm like angry it's like i even need to be calmed down with some really quiet mozart like chilled chilled the fuck out <laughs> or it needs to be like heavy as fuck metal like no. it's either meditation or just straight up noise exactly <laughs> yeah yeah there's no in between i i need to be in like a slightly either a really sad or a really happy mood to listen to like emo do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like Screamo fills that like angry mood. Like, I don't know. Screamo was like my favorite genre for quite a while in the kind of MySpace era. And then I'd like bits of emo, you know, but like it, it all kind of like felt your different moods. Like Screamo was there when you just were fucking angry at the world. And then emo was there when you broke up with somebody and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just you sad. went through the, the MySpace breakup when someone took you oh out of their top God, eight. Dying. Do you want to know the most? <laughs> this is the most Grebo emo story of my life, okay? This was like 2006, I think, download festival, my first ever download festival. I think I was 18. And I went to, I went there with my, with my friends. They're all boys. Like all the girls didn't come. We would go to Reading and stuff with the girls and the boys, but only the boys wanted to come to Download Festival. So I was there. This one, we had no signal, like internet on your phones wasn't a thing. Do you know what I mean? We're on MySpace. I had, I'd literally just met this boy. He'd come and stayed. I can't gone over to him. Do you know what I mean? Like it was kind of a long distance relationship. And we'd met through MySpace. It's so cliche. And he was such a scene kid. And he had got me all over his MySpace. Like I was the background picture. I was the dump <laughs> one. Do you know what I mean? Like, and we'd literally been dating for like a few weeks. It was unreal. Anyway, I'm there. I've got crap signal. I get back from Download Festival. I'm like, oh, I haven't had a text or like, but like I've had really bad signal. Like I haven't been able to get my text messages. I like hear nothing from him. I think maybe I tried to text him. I'm not sure, but I logged into MySpace and this is how I knew I was dumped. My picture was gone. I was not in the top eight. His ex-girlfriend was now <laughs> oh, no. the background picture at number one. And I was like, and meanwhile, you were going wow. there to meet him for like probably the first time. No, like or you I've were supposed to meet him there. No, no, oh, you no. met no. him before. No, yeah, 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 yeah. We've been dating for like I don't know, maybe a month or something. And we'd met in real life. Like I, he, I think he lived in Southampton, and where I lived was like maybe f an hour away. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. like I'd gone to his, he'd come to mine. I had a friend that was at uni near him, so it was like we, you know, we'd met like a bunch of times. But like I'd gone away to download festival with my friends. Like he wasn't coming. And like, I just thought I might get a text message from him, you know what I mean? Or a phone call here or there. And I didn't. And then I get back and I'm like, well, I don't need to be told I'm dumped because I can clearly see that I am dumped. <laughs> oh, man. This is like, I don't know what's worse, the modern ghosting or the mm -hmm. MySpace breakup. I think <laughs> it was more humiliating, but it wasn't too bad because like, it wasn't like he knew all my friends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If that had been someone that was in my friendship group and all my friends had seen that, I think I would have been mortified. <laughs> yeah, because then everybody knows and it's like, it's it's public. Yeah, exactly. And like, it was public, but like, luckily... 
he didn't really know that many of my friends. Some people on the internet probably like noticed, do you know what I mean? But it wasn't like a big, we hadn't been dating that long, but that is probably like the fact that it was while I was at Download <laughs> Festival is like the most Grebo story. <laughs> I know. And if only he did it before Download Festival, you could have gone there and get, gotten out all of that frustration exactly. throughout the whole day. Exactly. <laughs> I would have been like, okay, I'm young and I'm single. And I'm here to thrive, but no. <laughs> <laughs> you find out after on MySpace. <laughs> yeah, my MySpace was just a different breed with that type of stuff. <laughs> oh, totally. It's funny because like when I, de- I then went to uni after that and after like, a, I don't know, maybe a year of being at uni, I got into this long-term relationship and my boyfriend that I got into a relationship with was like, famous like I just knew him in real life right so I didn't know this when I first met him but I then found out he was like MySpace famous <laughs> it was so funny and they had this thing oh my god this is so emo so he's from the Welsh Valleys and like I say all of our friends were in like the music scene so all of our friends that were mutual were in bands and that kind of thing and like he was like me he was like the male version he he wasn't a musician but he had a clothing brand and he designed all of the merch for like his friends bands so we were like you know okay cool like we're similar he was in this thing (laughs) that was like famous on myspace they were called the emo abba boys oh my god that's hilarious it's so funny this group of boys and they're almost like it's kind of like the the youtubers of the MySpace era. They weren't YouTubers, but do you know what I mean? Like, I think they did, like, post I was going to say, it's kind of like dating someone that's, like, a famous YouTuber and you don't know that they're a famous YouTuber until after. Yeah, like, literally. I, like, started dating him and then I was like, oh, my God, the girls on the internet hate me. Girl- girls on the internet do hate me. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? It's just some little emo They're all kids. jealous and you had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. And then, obviously, you put us together and, like, I mean, he had a huge following, but I had somewhat of a following. And we both had clothing brands and it was it was... I was honestly like so funny. It was so peak MySpace, you know, <laughs> peak emo. I put a, a TikTok up about it. Well, I didn't go to write a TikTok about my fucking or post one about my ex-boyfriend. I was talking about my life and people were asking me questions and someone was like, oh my God, like this clothing brand you did. And they were asking me these questions. I was like, okay. So then I post about it and I'm like, I have to, because my boyfriend's and all, my ex-boyfriend's and all these pictures. And then there's all these Welsh kids like, oh my God, I remember you guys. And I'm like, Oh, fucking MySpace celebrities. <laughs> it's it's hilarious how much people like remember and retain from those days. I feel like the main person that I remember from back then because well, he was just so huge. He still is now, but Jeffrey Star was like yeah. the main like that was like, you know, I still have that vivid picture of him like eating the fruit loops off of the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeffrey Star Jeffrey Star and Kat Von D. Yes. And it's really yeah. sad because, like, I loved them. I literally, like, looked up. To, well, I didn't look up to Jeffree Star, but you know what I mean? Like, in a way. Yeah. In a way. I in, hope that n- there's nobody really looking up to Jeffree Star. Not anymore. <laughs> I mean, there he is, isn't there? But, like, now. I I, I thought, because when I, like, I, like, became, like, a, I don't know, content creator, let's say that, right? I, I got approached by KVD, which was at that point still Kat Von D's brand. Mm-hmm. And I, at this point, she hadn't, all this stuff hadn't come out about her. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I followed her my whole, like I'm, he- I'm quite heavily tattooed. Do you know what I mean? And like, I watched her on TV when I was a kid. I just, I loved her. Totally. And I started working with the brand and it was vegan and I'm vegan. I was like, oh, this is so perfect. And then it was like, oh, she is an arsehole, basically. <laughs> you know, like all this stuff came. And what's what's new? Do you know what I mean? And then all this stuff came out about Jeffree Star. And I was just like, all the MySpace kids. And Audrey <laughs> Kitching is like, I mean, I think she's probably the, the best out of all of them. But I think she lost her mind. She's just like this little hippie girl now. Bless her. Which is fine. Like, I feel like we should have seen this coming, considering, you know, the things we were saying and doing and feeling in the MySpace days and the the people that we were making famous on the the MySpace days. I feel like a lot of us probably should have seen this coming. But I mean, it's still, you know, still like disappointing. It it is disappointing. And I think that's why a lot of us probably just don't want to think about it or like see it coming or realize we're just kind of like oh let's just kind of look back at that time with rose tinted glasses totally (laughs) all these kids now being like oh we want to do what is it like 
2012 Tumblr like era is coming <laughs> back in. And I'm like, well, when we all starved ourselves so that we could like, you know what I mean? It, mm, I don't, I'm not sure that that's a healthy, like, no, can we not do that? Like, e- even a lot of the 2000s trends coming back are like, yeah, we want to look like 2000s emo kids. And it's like, we, y- you are trying to look like how we wanted to look back then, not how we yeah. actually did. That's we, the truth. <laughs> we all either wanted to look like that or we thought we looked like it. Yeah. And it, it was like, it was just like a select few people that went famous on MySpace that had really good scene hair. And yeah. we all thought that we, you know, had that same hair or we wanted that hair. Oh my God. We tried. It was, it, it, it was just. Tragic. the modern version of a mullet at the time oh literally <laughs> literally and all these kids i'm not being funny i mean maybe i'm talking for myself but i know i'm talking for a lot of us i'm not saying i'm talking for you but we pretty much all hated ourselves you know what i mean like i think that's a fair statement yeah and so you want to recreate like mm, okay maybe just go to therapy like we are all doing now <laughs> yeah we're, we're all doing it now because things were different back then and exactly. uh, it wasn't as accepted but yeah we should have done that back then yeah and there was a reason why we were the way we were back then. Ex- exactly exactly literally i am so glad that i don't have a a like terrible myspace chest tattoo you know like that was the thing that was oh my god yeah <laughs> and like don't get me wrong i kind of love like quite a few of my friends have those like they were they were like seen chess pieces and i'm yeah. like i love it for what it is like i don't hate on you but i'm also kind of glad i didn't because i would have got hello kitty you know and <laughs> i'm like no i'm really glad that i don't have that on my chest <laughs> everyone had the big font with like two or three words with everything oh kind of like coming up over here maybe that. some nautical stars or something literally that <laughs> so many of my boy mates had that and then the girls had like fucking like a heart you know what i mean like or like or like a hello kitty in the middle with stuff coming oh my god just like the girly version <laughs> like I feel like that was where I was really fortunate for my parents who mm. they, as much as I hated them for it at the time, yeah. in terms of them, like, no, you're not allowed to get any piercings or tattoos. They eventually let me get my eyebrow pierced and they mm. were like, well, you need to make a deal no more or else I would have had like my nose pierced. I would have had snake, but which honestly, I still regret not getting like lip rings or snake, snake bites. Cause I'm like, yeah. I really wanted them back then. They were really cool. Yeah. And piercings are piercings. You can take them out and they exactly. heal, right? Yeah. But yeah. I would have had the big spaced out ears mm. and I would have been covered in really tacky tattoos. So I'm <laughs> yeah. like happy that I didn't get tattoos until later on in life where I'm like developed my own style a little bit. I'm like, okay, I think these will these will last. But yeah, back then I would have just gotten tattoos to get tattoos and I would have gotten every single trendy MySpace tattoo. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. The amount of friends that like, there's always the boys actually. None of the girls have had to get like mad cover ups, you know? <laughs> So I, mean, I think the boys just think, yeah, I want to look hench. I want to like Ollie Sykes, like give me a whole body piece and it's like broke yeah. arm down. Like, like, like the MySpace chicks are going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're going through tattoo removals or cover ups. Yeah. <laughs> literally, literally. My, so many of my friends are tattoo artists. They just like, do you know, so, do you know, Chris came in for like another hand tattoo and I'm like, Bro, wasn't he getting that laser the other week? Yeah, I sent him home. He needs to let that heal. I'm like, oh my God. What? He got like, you know, a girl's name tattooed once, then he oh got no. a fucking, you know, like a, a swallow. And then, you know, it's just like, just, just, just deal. Just, that's what's on your hand, bro. Like, just live yeah. with it. Like, just, just throw up like a trad piece or something like that yeah. and you'll be fine. Like, yeah. you can live with it. Exactly. It's oh It'll God. look good. So funny. Do you know what I wanted to say um, when you asked about the British bands? I forgot, like, one of them, well, actually two of them came to mind. Gallows, which are on this poster behind me, which they don't really play shows anymore. I don't really know what's going on with them, but they were such a great band. Did you ever get into Gallows? No, no. Mm, okay. Do you but, know Frank uh, I'll Carter? I'll definitely check them out. Do you know who Frank uh, Carter is? No, I know who Frank Turner is. <laughs> yeah. As, yeah. They're the two, Frank Turner and Frank Carter. In the UK anyway, they're both huge, but... I'm trying to think of what his other bands have been called. He's been in a few, but he's in a band called Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes now, which are really big bands. The Gallows were like, they were like hardcore punk and they were huge, like massive, mm-hmm. like even almost commercially huge. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. Frank is a tattoo artist and a very, like he's like a, a famous tattoo artist, you know, and he just went off and did other projects and stuff. And then another band that I love, which is on here, you can see is Higher Power. I just remembered that I have the 
Well, I think I've seen you do a few TikToks about them as well. Yeah. Have you ever listened to them? They might be on a few of my hardcore playlists. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My hardcore playlists are just more scattered because a lot of the bands are just like, I'll just kind of like listen and Spotify will recommend me something or someone will tell me about something and I'll throw it onto a playlist. And then I just kind of like go along with it while I'm like working out or driving or whatever, but like not actually like, hey, I have their records, you know? Yeah. Honestly, they're incredible. Like they are just like nice boys. They've been doing this for a long time. Like proper like hardcore kids. Do you know what I mean? Just like Yeah. Yeah. And they're just super talented. They sound they sound like a mixture of a lot of hardcore bands, like elements of like, I don't know, even like uh, terror meets H2O meets like youth of today, you know, like yeah. some really old school hardcore influences in there. Yeah. They they remind me of a lot of like the old hardcore stuff, like bands that I listen to. I still listen to you, but I, I listened to you back in the day and they are amazing live. They just have so much energy and they're so fun and they're super DIY. Again, everyone's a tattoo artist. The singer is a tattoo artist. He's <laughs> a very good tattoo artist. Tattoos and hardcore kind of just go hand in hand. Yeah. Makes sense. Singer in a hardcore band and a tattoo artist. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Do you have any favorite up and coming bands? I mean, I I work with, and I don't know, for a lot of people, he will still be super up and coming, but he's fucking huge on the internet. But I think as a musician, he's still like up and coming. I work with a guy called Noah Fince, who's a pop punk artist, and he's a YouTuber. So like he's huge on YouTube, huge on every social because of being a YouTuber, if that makes sense. Yeah, that always helps. Yeah. But he makes really good pop punk music. It's super fun. It's like politically driven. He's a trans kid. So like that is where all the political, you know, kind of like angst comes from. Basically, his stuff is funny and it's just good. It's like he's, his latest like single sounds like Green Day and Blink-182 and Sum 41. You know, it's like those oh, awesome. vibes. And he's on... Oh, shit, a big record label. I work with them. What are they called? Who is he with? <laughs> One of the big labels. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My brain just likes to not remember words a lot of the time. But uh, yeah, he's on a big label. So like he's going to be doing good things. He's he's touring with Enter Shikari in UK and Europe. Oh, nice. I, I think just in the UK for like in February, the upcoming tour. So him, if you like pop punk, he, I think he's on like the latest, he is, he's on all of like the latest Spotify like alt like pop punk playlists they've been doing and i styled the pictures that are on the front <laughs> amazing <laughs> <laughs> um so him i'm i'm like really getting into noah's music I'm trying to think of like oh shit what is the band basically my friends in wales have started a new band that's like super goth nightmares that's what they're called oh i feel like i've heard of them yeah. or they, they may have also popped up on my feed as well Yes, I was. I was talking about them in a recent TikTok, which was also when or I was maybe talking. that was it too. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and like they saw it and were like, "Oh my god, this is so funny!" Because the guitarist, yeah, yeah, don't think he's the lead singer. Basically, they're my friends, and then like one of their partners, who I've only just recently met, but because I don't live in Wales anymore. But like the other people in the band are like old friends of mine, and so they like modeled for my clothing brand back in the day. You know, so it's just like. I posted some pictures with like one of them in it. And then he's like, oh my God, this is so cute. I want to reshare this. And they're really good, actually. They're really, really good live. They've been, the, the people in that band have been in loads of bands over the years. And they've all been like good, like more kind of like indie or like kind of post hardcore bands in the past. But this is like goth. This is like, I don't know, goth meets post hardcore emo. Yeah. Sweet. What advice would you, I guess, give someone that is trying to sort of amplify their style a little bit that is sort of in that punk and, and emo scene? I mean, I think I've got a lot of opinions because there's this whole thing and like, it's kind of my opinion and it's not. This whole thing about how like, you know, millennial skinny jeans are out, right? And like every fucking emo kid wears skinny jeans, you know, like that's, that is the outfit. <laughs> But I must admit, like at heart, I'm a new metal kid. And this genre, like the alt scene is so, it's full of so many subgenres. So like the way you style yourself is going to be leaning towards which genre you like more, right? I don't hate skinny jeans. I don't love them. I think it depends how they're worn. So like 
half of my job work with bands, especially in musicians, is like if they're stuck wearing that same fucking outfit that like we've all worn for years, skinny jeans, a t-shirt and a leather jacket. Do you know what I mean? It's fine, but you're not going to stand out. So I say wear stuff that makes you comfortable and happy. And like if skinny jeans look good on you and make you feel confident, I'm not telling you not to wear them. I think they look great if you wear them with like big, like Dr. Martin, like chunky Dr. Martin boots or like, you know, a nice pair of trainers, like a nice pair of vans or something. Please don't wear skinny jeans with like some ugly trainers, like some running shoes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that is like my pet peeve. However, <laughs> However, if you wear, if you're more into like hardcore and new metal, like cargo trousers and kind of like baggier jeans, I fucking love like baggy, baggy jeans and like baggy clothes and baggy looks. I'm a new metal kid at heart. And like you can wear an ugly trainer under that and it looks kind of cool, you know? So yeah, that, that would be my advice. Don't wear ugly trainers with skinny jeans. They are going to look ugly. <laughs> But you can rock them with some baggy jeans and like just lean more towards the genres that you love. So if you're like a Limp Biscuit fan, you do not have to look like Fred Durst did in 2001. But, <laughs> you know, maybe lean you throw on some uh, camo cargo shorts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is that is a great look. Camo cargo shorts, a nice pair of Air Max ones or 90s and like a sick like band T-shirt. Like you, you a guy especially never looks bad in that. But many guys like can look bad in skinny jeans and a skinny t-shirt you know what i mean like it's just not a look for everybody so just just lean more towards like a straight leg jean you know or like just youth large t-shirts died in the myspace era please stop wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yes <laughs> i'm so happy that those died as someone that never felt comfortable wearing those <laughs> why the fuck did they exist like i had a company that sold them don't get me wrong but like i i have turned i i got a girl who's amazing to turn a bunch of my youth large t-shirts into like a dress because i was like Either I wear these like a super cropped t-shirt or like, I don't know. It's just wrong. I had like a, a youth polo neck that was had under oath prints on it. It was just, but then cut it up and put it in a dress and it's great. And I've just, it's just like a patchwork of different band merch. It's brilliant. But yeah. Well, no, it's awesome that you've been able to rework them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> rework that stuff. Make a, make a patchwork quilt or a jacket or a dress like I did, but don't wear youth t-shirts unless you are tiny, a tiny human being. I mean, do what the fuck you want, you know, but, <laughs> but my advice would be if you want to look good is just anything with a really skinny ankle. I don't like personally, unless you are wearing it with, like I say, like a chunky pair of Dr. Martins. Yeah. Just, just proportions are important and you can look fucking great in band merch, but just maybe put on some like straight leg or some like cargo trousers, you know? And that can look fashionable and still emo. Yeah. Love it. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Sorry, I go off on several tangents. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> they were all great tangents. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Our Space with Matt Batiste. If you enjoyed yourself, please support the show by subscribing and leaving a review. 